As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Customers are rushing to your store. Do you have a point-of-sale system you can trust, or is it a mm, real POS? You need Shopify for retail. Shopify POS is your command center for your retail store. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify has everything you need to sell in person. With Shopify, you get a powerhouse selling partner that effortlessly unites your in-person and online sales into the one source of truth. Track every sale across your business in one place and know exactly what's in stock. Connect with customers in line and online. Shopify helps you drive store traffic with plug-and-play tools built for marketing campaigns from TikTok to Instagram and beyond. Get hardware that fits your business. Take payments by smartphone, transform your tablet into a point-of-sale system, or use Shopify's POS Go mobile device for a battle-tested solution. Plus, Shopify's award-winning help is there to support your success every step of the way. Do retail right with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash theathletic, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash theathletic to take your retail business to the next level today. Shopify.com slash theathletic. Howdy, everybody. Arthur Staple here. Welcome back to the Garden Faithful, your Rangers podcast from The Athletic. Steve Valaket, he's been on the slopes, he's been on the ice, he's been on your TV on MSG. Well, I think tonight he'll, he will be, but uh, can't be here today because he's just a very busy man, and it's obviously a very busy week with the holidays coming up. So we're bringing in our ace utility man off the bench, uh, our number one producer, and also previous co-host of the show from last year, Chris Flannery. Chris, what's going on, my man? Hey, you know what? It's really nice to be uh, jumping on with you. I'm, I'm no Valley, but, you know, I'll do my best and we'll talk some Rangers. It's good to hear your voice, though. We need we need a little... Steve is uh, is like a professional fan. You are a true fan. So you've been paying as close attention as anybody to this team. Yes. Um, 
And they're on a hell of a roll. You know, we they were going good when we recorded last week with uh, with Valley and, um, you know, two wins over the weekend in Philly and Chicago that were not the prettiest necessarily, but uh, got the job done against two of the bottom feeders in the league. Um, <clears throat> and I want to jump back a little bit to Thursday's game where they beat the Leafs 3-1 at the Garden. That was yeah. – um, that was – Again, not a perfect game. They certainly didn't generate a ton. They didn't give up a ton either, and that was maybe more impressive. But I, I felt like that was the game, and it, and it's funny because Gerard Gallant has shuffled his lines a little bit in the Chicago game in the second period when they were playing like garbage for a little while, even though they were up by three or up by two at the time. Um, so you know he's <clears throat> this could change at any moment, but uh, but I felt like that Toronto game was where kind of the new, new lines of Panarin, Zibanejad, Goodrow, um, the kid line back together. And most importantly, uh, I thought the Chris Kreider, Vincent Trocek, Jimmy VC line had an exceptional night. VC certainly did. Uh, yeah. And if we if we own the rights to any music at all on this show, we would be playing Ice Ice Baby in the background <laughs> because of, um, just to give the backstory to everybody who may not know, um, Jimmy VC was a leaf when they made that all or nothing Amazon documentary a couple of years ago. Um, and he did not have a good run there. And I don't think he saw eye to eye with Sheldon Keefe. And there was a bit in there where Sheldon Keefe sits down with VC and, and says his play is too vanilla. And it was really the beginning of the end. And they put him on waivers soon after that. He ended up in Vancouver, bounced around, came back to the Rangers. And for him to score two goals, including that highlight reel one uh, that ended up being the winner, um, I think it was uh, it was extra sweet for VZ. So uh, Vanilla Ice is definitely a nickname that's going to stick for him. <laughs> At this point, <clears throat> but that that line, which was essentially a third line, I guess when when Gallant put it together because the kids were playing well, but that's really a second line now with those three veterans, all of whom can play two two way style. They're producing some goals. VC scored another one in Philly. Trocheck's had a couple. He's had some good games. To me, that the that was kind of the vindication of these like line shuffles that we've seen time after time after time. That now maybe something will stick for a little bit, especially that line, even though it's not necessarily where we thought any of those guys would be at the start of the season. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I think, you know, I, I think they're finally playing with, you, you know, you said it a couple of times now talking about the last, you know, three or so games that they're, they're not perfect games, but I think that they're not necessarily trying to play a perfect game. I think they were trying to be too fine at certain points. The, the confidence was waning. The frustration was building. They're hitting posts. Things just aren't going in. They're getting their chances, but you know, they weren't playing, um, together I felt like there was there was just tightness in the group and I you know I think they've maybe given up a little bit on trying to play a quote-unquote perfect game get the two points we've talked about it a bunch and and now they can you know roll those lines uh much more comfortably I think there's a lot more uh chemistry through the lines for whatever reason it just it just works out this way Trocek, Kreider, VZ they play more of a straight ahead straight line game um obviously Panarin and Zabanajet are, are extremely skilled and, and they can dance around and, and do their thing. Goudreau plays, um, can really play anywhere. He's playing solid defensively on that line. Um, and then obviously the kids have brought what they've always brought when they've been together, a lot of energy, a good forecheck. And, you know, they're starting to put pucks in the net. Heedle, who, I, you know, maybe we could talk about a little bit. I, I know he um, had the injury against Chicago, but it looks like he was on the ice this morning, which is great. He's playing the best hockey of his career right now. So, yeah, I mean, I think obviously – They've been on a good streak. The Toronto game's a real measuring stick, and and for them to win that game, three uh, one, very, you know, um, confidently. I I think they played a really really solid game. 
Igor looks like Igor again. He's not uh, <laughs> giving up any softies, so that certainly helps. But yeah, I mean they're they're on a great run right now, and and these lines look right. You know that this looks like a, a four line team, or at least a, a three line team where they can throw the fourth line out when they need to. And um, yeah, it's it's a it's a real good look right now. Yeah, maybe if you're gonna quibble with anything, um, maybe you say Vitaly Krasov doesn't really belong on the fourth line. But <clears throat> having said that. In the Philly game, and again, it was against Philly. So anything that we take away from the weekend games, we have to grain of salt it because those are not competitive teams necessarily yeah. this season in Philly and Chicago. Um, and the Rangers offensively definitely feasted on both games, even when I thought for long stretches, especially in the Philly game, they were being outplayed or at least outworked. Yeah. Um, but Barkley Goodrow showed some real good skill, I think, uh, in the Philly game able to keep up with that Zibanejad Panarin pairing. Um, but I think even with Kravtsov and, you know, he was in for, for Julian Gauthier in those games, he was in for Sammy Blay at the game, the game against the Leafs did not look out of place in that fourth line. And I think with Johnny Brodzinski there, um, you know, I'm not going to, I'm not going to heap too much praise on a guy who plays eight or nine minutes a night, but, but even he fits better than whatever they were throwing out there earlier. He's, he obviously brings a lot more speed than Ryan Carpenter um, he just seems to know when he gets called up and it's happened now three times for him in the three years he's been in the organization that when he gets called up, you just hit the ground running. That's, yeah. that's the most important thing. You, you skate fast, you play fast, you play hard, throw a couple shots on net, throw a couple hits and get off the ice. And I think maybe Carpenter being uh, a little bit more of an NHL veteran, newer to the organization, couldn't quite figure that out. He certainly came in uh, with a fourth line that mostly had Ryan Reeves on it a lot slower than with Julian Gauthier on that side. And Sammy Blay has, you know, seemingly not gotten a lot of his speed back from, from before his knee injury. Um, but, but even that fourth line, you know, when, if you have one of the other lines, that's not going very well, or you need to defend a little bit more. It, it, clearly Gallant has some, has some faith in that line with Brodzinski centering it. So it seems like ideally if everybody's healthy, you'd rather have Goodrow centering that fourth line, but but right now you don't. And I and I think one of one of Gallant's real best qualities throughout his coaching career is his ability to kind of you know have a good feel for what's going right instead of saying this is how you know he said it the other day at practice like I know what the best lines are, but right. that's not what we're doing right now. And I right. think I think he doesn't express himself in such a clear way sometimes. So I think maybe that was a little bit of a confusing one. We're just like. Well, if you know the best lines, why are you using them? <laughs> but I think what he meant to say was, I know on paper what would be perfect for us, but we're not playing on paper. We're, we've been had some ups and downs and we need to go you know, do X, Y, and Z right now to, to win games as far as our forwards go. And so this is what you got. And I, you know, I think even if it lasts 20 or 25 games with Kravtsov on the fourth line and maybe spotting up a little bit and getting some power play two time, you know, that's that may be how it ends up being. And it's going it's tough for him. And I don't know if he's going to want to stick around after this year, but you got to win games. And certainly this winning streak has shown that you have to string some wins together if you are where the Rangers were seven games ago, because it's not like they've put themselves 10 points clear of a playoff spot of the playoff cut line right now. They're still fighting for it. And you got to keep winning and you got to keep getting points, especially in games like tonight and games like Thursday when the Islanders come to the Garden for the last game before the Christmas break. So, I don't have any problems with what Gallant's trying to do right now. 
No, I don't either. And I and I I was actually going to bring up that quote because I think it's it's telling. Obviously, if you could put Vitaly Kravtsov with Panarin and Zibanejad, that's a better mix than having him on the fourth line. But I agree with you. I think he's played well there. He hasn't. Um, you know, I mean, there's some concerns. Obviously, as the season started, he he was getting injured a lot. Just you know, little hits here and there. He was coming out of the lineup. Now it seems like he's able to absorb more contact. He seems more comfortable playing, um, you know, the physical part of the game. And obviously he scored the other night, which isn't going to hurt his confidence or, or anybody else's confidence in him. So, yeah, I mean, I, I, I listen, it's hard to argue with seven wins in a row, especially after the way that they were looking where it really felt like, you know, they're in trouble, you know, and, and now they're three points behind the Devils. I know the Devils have games at hand, but the way that they started uh, for the Rangers to really be in the thick of it now is um, it's exciting. And, and it seems like, they've really found their footing and, and, you know, we'll, we'll see where it goes. We, you know, maybe it's a little too soon to start talking about it, but you know, in my mind, it's like, I, I could see Patrick Kane on a top line with Panarin and Zibanejad now, you know, that, that feels like <laughs> a lot more uh, realistic than it did a, a few weeks ago. So, you know, we'll see where it goes. But for now, like you said, the lines look, look right. And um, they can roll all four of them, which I think is important. Yeah. And you mentioned, you touched on it quickly before, um, you know, just looks like, just Durkin, not necessarily from last year where he needed to save the day every day, um, but he looks like a much, you know, a lot more confidence in his game. I'm sure if Steve were here with us, he would be able to point to about 10 different things in terms of stylistic yeah. things that, that Igor is doing. But I think just looking at, at Steve's site, uh, taking a quick peek, uh, Just Durkin's back in the top 10 in terms of expected goals against uh, that he's been saving. He's top 15 in expected save percentage. He's, you know, back to being above what he would expect, the shots he would be expected to be stopping. He's not he's not lapping the field like he did last year. But even at that, and I think the, the, the clearest thing, and it's we're all human beings and even the most finely tuned athletes still, you know, you, they look at the box scores the same way we do and look at the results. And even though Igor was winning tons of games, and he's I think he's tied for second in the league and wins for goalies. Yeah. Um, he uh, he was giving up too much. I think he was just looking at some of those crooked numbers after games and just saying, I'm not I'm not good enough. And so now he's on a really good streak. He gave up one against the Leafs and looked sharp. He gave up one in Chicago. Uh, had to make some really good saves in that game. And I think that's that's kind of his ideal level. He wants he wants to feel the puck. He wants to see some dangerous chances. Um, and if he's at the top of his game. You know, you don't need seven every night. You need one more than the other team. So um, it, it just seems like it, it's we said it last week, too. It's hard to identify patterns or themes of why these why the seven game streak has been going on the way it's going. But but maybe that's the best thing is that one night it's one thing and one night it's another. And their they, their ability to kind of play to the way that each game demands uh, is the sign of a very healthy team because you're not just saying we got to impose our will and play our way. And if it doesn't work out, we're going to lose. Oh, hundred percent. I mean, Igor, since the overtime loss to the senators on December 2nd, he's six and oh, 1.83 goals against nine thirty nine save percentage. So it's like the, you know, is he going to keep those numbers going for the rest of the season? I hope so. I, you know, I probably not, but if he's able to play closer to nine twenty five, two goals against, they're going to, he's going to give them a real legitimate chance to win every night, especially if, pucks are going in, which they are. I mean, to me, the biggest thing, you know, it's not a technical thing. It's just observing what watching Igor. It looks like he's just 
there's a lot less movement in the crease. It looks like he's really waiting for pucks to come to him versus trying to go out, do too much, make a big save. I think he's just letting the game come to him. And there's not a lot of extra movement in his game. That That's what I see just from, from watching him. And then on top of that, obviously, like I said, the Rangers are scoring goals now. They're still hitting posts. They have 32 posts that leads the league, which is absurd. They still had three against uh, the Blackhawks. They scored seven. They still had three posts. Um, so that's something I don't I don't know. That's some kind of weird anomaly with this team. But, you know, at least the, the puck is hitting the back of the net as well. And I, I think that really is, you know, plays a big factor in, in why they've been able to win seven straight games here. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. And for me, the kind of the signature save of the past week was, uh, I think it was pretty early on in, in the game on Sunday, Patrick Kane's coming down, uh, you know, not, he's got a clear view and he's, uh, I can't remember if it was on the Chicago power play or if it was just off a, a play in the zone. It's Kane and it's, and it's Igor um, by the, maybe the right wing circle. And, and uh, instead of going down early and trying to commit, Igor didn't even move. He just yeah. stood there and kind of was, you know, was on his toes didn't give Kane a lot to shoot at. I think not going down really, really threw Kane, and he made the save. He looked like a shooter tutor out there. Like he did, he just, he just didn't give him anything to look at. Didn't commit, and uh, and that I think is the sign of a goalie who knows what he wants to be doing on every play, and one of the elite goal scorers of the last fifty years, or elite players of the last fifty years, gave him nothing to look at. Nothing, you know, nothing. Gave nothing away and didn't give up a goal, and it was just um, you know I don't I don't know that we see that from from Igor three weeks ago or four weeks ago or whatever. No, totally, and that's what, that's exactly what I'm talking about. I mean, it's stuff like that where he's he's not making the first move; he's waiting for the shooter, which has been what he's that's been what he's done you know his whole career when he's playing well. Um, but yeah, I agree with you. Three weeks ago, he, who who knows what that would have looked like? But obviously, his confidence is back, and that's a major major thing for the Rangers. I hope Valley's listening to all the knowledge that we've soaked up from him in these months of having the show with with all of his goalie insights because I feel like he'd be maybe have a smile on his face somewhere knowing so, that so uh, proud of us. Yeah, <laughs> no, exactly. Um, so, like you said, Philip Hedel is on the ice this morning. I haven't seen uh, any of the reporters that are in Pittsburgh say anything that from what Gerard Gallant said. I don't know that he tends to reveal very much, but it sounded like um, Hedel was skating in his usual spot. So. Good to know that that absence from the back half of the Chicago game was precautionary. Um, what did you think of that hit, by the way? I mean, do you think, it, uh, to me, definitely an interference penalty. It was too late to not be called anything on the ice, but I didn't expect anything to come suspension-wise or fine-wise. I just feel like player safety for all the shit that they take from everybody in the league and outside the league just as fans, um, and it's it's a horrible job and I would never want it, but... Um, they're pretty consistent in, in that regards when it comes to shots to the head, which there was a little bit of head contact in this hit, but it was a face-to-face hit. Heedle was not looking at Sam Lafferty, which is, you know, I'm not going to play the blame game, but my understanding is when you're on the ice and someone's bearing down on you, no matter how late it is or how much of a penalty it is, 
you have to be prepared to be hit. And uh, it didn't look like Phil was quite prepared to be hit there. Um, but it was really a shot to the chest that kind of drove up through the head. It wasn't picking the head, I think, as the league likes to call it, where you see a guy's head hanging out and someone chicken wings, you know, a jaw right. or a head that's that's bent over. Um, that's really what they view as targeting. And this this to me was not that. So I, I was not surprised. I don't know what you thought. Yeah, no, I agree with you. I mean, I, I, I didn't think there was definitely not a suspension worthy play or a fine or anything that obviously it was late, you know, I mean, that's yeah. all it should have been. A yeah, penalty, it was too late. It should have been inter- two for interference and yeah, bad, bad result, but it's good to hear that, that Heedle is uh, going to be in because we could talk about him for a whole segment too. I think he's been maybe one of the three or four best players on the team. Just his health has really been the thing that's holding him back. Just the way that he, the confidence he's playing with either moving the puck or shooting the puck, um, you know, between the hash marks, I don't, I don't, I don't know that there's a more dangerous player on the Rangers than this guy when he gets oh, into, yeah. when he gets into, you know, Mika Zibanejad obviously has the big one timer on the power play and has a big shot and moves around well. And Kreider's great and tight, and Panarin can slip into spots like that. And Trocek's kind of bull in the china shop when he gets in there. But as far as body positioning and hockey IQ and knowing when to shoot the puck and when to pass it. Uh, I think I think Heedle might be the guy that uh, that leads everybody on the team. Oh yeah, I mean such a such a quick release in there too. I mean when he scored the overtime winner the other night, be- beautiful. I mean that puck was off his stick so fast. I mean he's he's you know he he was a guy that throughout the early parts of his career he was I felt like every game he was looking at the sky. Oh, I can't believe I missed that. You know like there was just it just wasn't working for him, and now the the confidence is really there. And um, yeah, I mean, I, I hope he doesn't miss any time. Obviously, being on the ice this morning is a, is a great sign because the way he's playing, uh, he's crucial to the team. Obviously, um, yeah, I mean, uh, he he's he's he, his game is really showing through now, and and it's it's rewarding the Rangers for having the patience with him for for this amount of time, and and hopefully he can keep it going for the rest of the season. But yeah, I think every line that he's been on uh, has has been better because he's been on it, and obviously, you know, putting the kids back together, they just have. A ton of chemistry and and he's a huge part of that now i guess we can look at at the defense and and before we get into any of the other guys we got to talk about keandre miller's <laughs> goal against the flyers and it, you know it's funny we didn't you know i was in the building so he didn't get to see a lot of the reaction but the just the in addition to the ridiculousness of comes out of the penalty box goes to the point which is not a spot that he usually takes because there's already two defensemen on the ice chips it past sanheim who is at the end of a power play shift. So he blows right past him, tripped up, goes down, gets up, makes the move. And then the little like palms up, shoulder shrug, <laughs> like, yeah, I can't believe it either. I think, uh, <laughs> I think, I think we've been talking about some of his confidence waning, waxing. You know, it was not great beginning half, first half of last year. He was making a lot of mistakes that were just seemed, seemed like, inattentive type mistakes where you're just trying to do something or, or not really thinking it through. And he has the skill to recover, but there were a lot of eek moments, I think for him in the first half. And then the, the switch got, got flipped and, and he turned it on the back half and was really good. And then in the playoffs was a monster just lights out him and Truba facing off against Crosby's line in, in that series against Sebastian Ajo's line in the Carolina series against Stamkos in the Tampa series. And, you know, really held his own more than held his own, I would say. Um, and then this year, you know, it's been it's been a rocky road, like it's been for a lot of players. I think being paired with Truba when Truba was going through the the worst of his 
kind of injury hampered indecisiveness and and just you know bad luck um every mistake seemingly ending up in the net and it still seems to happen from time to time since he did score two goals against Chicago one on Igor and one on Chicago goalie yeah. um but uh but I think these last like it's kind of coincided really with with the winning streak with the his first goal of the year that he scored against St. Louis um he's got I think whatever six points six or seven points in the seven game win streak um he just seems like not a completely different player, but a lot more like the one that we saw in the back half of last season in the playoffs. And that goal was just kind of another one of his bag of tricks where you say, when you see stuff like that from this guy, you say, yeah, like there could be some Norris Trophy votes in this guy's future for sure. Yes, it's I, you, you hit the nail right in the head. I mean, I thought that the other night when he, when you see somebody do that, you're like, oh man. I, I have a... a a three-year-old daughter so i dvr a lot of the games and i watch them a little bit later at night so i was rewinding that one a few times and just you know marveling at that kid he, he's really really special and he almost scored another beauty against the uh the blackhawks he hit yeah. one off the post uh, another backhand but i but i agree i mean i think like the rest of the team i think he's keeping it a little more simple that's they're so skilled that's the thing this team has so much skill on it that if they just keep the game simple they're gonna get their chances to to show their skill and and score goals and and do the things that they've been doing over this win streak i think you know he's another prime example of that like you said it seems like jacob truba whatever is ailing him is maybe not as bad as it was a few weeks ago it seems like he's starting to find his game a bit scoring goals now which he wasn't shooting a lot so you know who knows what what was going on there but he looks like he's he's maybe coming through it a bit and yeah, I mean, that pair has, has returned much closer to the one that we saw in the playoffs and, and, you know, the most of last season. So, but yeah, watching Keandre play like that is so exciting. It starts to concern me because it's like, you know, what are you going to do? How much is this guy going to be worth uh, when he needs his contract yeah, next I mean, season? But uh, you can't worry about that. That's <laughs> no, a lot, no, but, a lot is the answer. And I, yeah. you know, when we, st- we'll get into that kind of stuff, I think later in the year about what's he worth. What's Alexi Lafreniere worth? Is somebody we haven't talked about a ton. He's been he's been better lately, but still not not a real dynamic impact player. Um, so so you know it's it's uh, yeah. It, when you put yourself in the position that they put themselves in after twenty six games, all the stuff where it's like, hmm, oh man, I'm I'm worried about what it, like the hell with that. Like you have to worry about now. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And now this guy is doing some Superman stuff, and that's what we want to see. Yeah, he makes it look easy. I mean, he really does. The 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 little yeah, the oop, can you believe that happened? That little <laughs> celebration. That's that's how everybody felt and it's I think that sort of speaks to the way he plays the game. He plays a, a calm game, especially for somebody, you know, his whatever. We talk about his age. He hasn't played defense for that long. He's he's a very special talent. Uh and it's it's awesome that he's on the Rangers. Yeah. Uh and his partner, Jacob Truba, um vastly improved also over these you know, seven games and the eighth game ago was obviously the one where, as we talked about, you know, a couple of fights, a couple of big hits, throw on the helmet, wake the F up, yelling at his teammates um, and kind of the nice bookend with the return engagement two weeks later with the Hawks where he's scoring a goal and uh, and asking Andreas Athanasio if he wants the puck from his goal. Um, delightful. I love yeah. it. Yeah. <laughs> I mean that is that's that's grade A chirp uh, right there, and I you know I think if you could if we had a video now we would freeze frame um, Artemi Panarin's face as Truba is instead of opting not to 
celebrate with his teammates, but talking to Athanasio and just the grin on Panarin's <laughs> face. Yeah. He's always a very happy-go-lucky guy, but he likes a good chirp just like the next person. And I think uh, that was that kind of stuff. You know, I, I just wrote it um, in the second part of our mailbag, which just posted minutes ago, so people can read that and listen at the same time. Perfect. Um, but I was asked in there, and this was obviously from a couple weeks ago uh, before the, the win streak, but like, well, you know, they don't seem like a team that loves having this guy as captain and it's 180 degrees from the truth. And there's a lot of, a lot of things that go into being a captain that don't necessarily revolve around, you know, throwing your helmet and yelling at your teammates or having lots of rah-rah meetings or whatever. It's, it's a lot of like, Oh, you know, some player has a problem with some, has an issue with something to do with the coaching staff or the schedule or whatever. And the ca- the captain is the one that takes that to the coaching staff. They, you know, you don't, not everybody goes and makes, there's no complaint box or customer service line. Like usually the captain or somebody from the leadership group takes care of that stuff. Yep. Last year, which was still a COVID restricted year, the captain is the one that, that helps with, with the coaching staff in the front office, make schedules that work for the players. The captain is the one that goes around and solicits feedback from the team. Um, and in this case, you know, there are guys that would make good captains. Um, you know, Chris Kreider was a guy that I think a lot of people wanted to see be captain just because he's been a beloved figure here for a long time. But he is not a guy that craves the spotlight. Um, and I don't know that he's necessarily a guy that craves the spotlight. Even within the room, he's a great teammate and people really feel close to him. Um, but he is his own guy for the most part. And Panarin has shown some more in that department. I think he's made himself more available to us, which is kind of the part that reporters around the team often see a lot of like, oh, this guy is showing up in the room. And that's another thing where after every loss through all of that terrible streak, even the ones where he was the worst player on the ice, number eight was one of the guys that was in the room and insisted that he talked to us. And that takes the heat off some other guys who maybe don't love that situation to be in or would just as soon not deal with us at all because they don't love it that they don't love talking. It's just a long list of things that are not necessarily front facing things that go into it. And when you talk to either guys that have been there and have left that are that were with Truba or are still there now, um, it was never anything but a unanimous vote that this was the guy that they wanted to be captain. And that's kind of even after having maybe not the best playoff run, drawing some attention uh, from around the league being a little bit public enemy number one, where you maybe say like, ah, maybe this this isn't a great look of elevating this guy who has been knocking people out with legal hits. Um, this is the guy. And I think these last couple of weeks, starting with the kick in the pants uh, in the loss to Chicago and finishing with being the guy who's out there sticking his neck out saying like, you know, leading the chirp charge and willing to, you know, drop some gloves if, if it came to that uh, because he was running his mouth so much like, I think that kind of encapsulates who he is and what he means to this group. Oh, absolutely. I mean, we, I, we've talked about it a bunch, I think on the show and, you know, there's been a lot of discussion about it, that the team really didn't have an identity. There there was something missing. There wasn't like that galvanizing thing that happened that make them, this team feel like a team, you know, and, and obviously they've had success last year more than anybody thought they were going to, but it's an, it's a new season and you have to find new ways to be motivated and new things to kind of rally behind. And, you can point to Jacob Truba dropping the gloves three times in two games. Everybody knows he he's dealing with an injury um, for him to do that and put himself out there and, and try to wake the team up. And like you said, be accountable to the media after every game and, and really talk through it. I mean, I think that does speak volumes about him and 
you can say you know that's a turning point of the season. They've won. They haven't lost since then. So um, I think that's. I think that says a lot about him, and uh, like like I said a little bit earlier, it seems like he's he's starting to feel better. Obviously, pucks are going in; he's, he's playing uh, better on the ice, which which that helps more than anything. You know, it, it's yeah. really hard when you're not able to play the game that everyone knows you're capable capable of. Um, you know, it's hard to lead that way. So now that he's able to kind of find his game a little bit, feel better, and and do the things that he's expected to do on the ice, I think that really helps. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Yeah, and we've, we haven't even talked about Adam Fox, who had a big night in Chicago and has really been back to his Norris Trophy level in terms of his being able to, you know, distributing. I think he had a little – what's funny is that of all of the guys during this win streak that have been kind of brought their game to another level where I would say, you know, Kako and Heedel starting to see some results even though they're playing well and maybe not getting the results, certainly Kako. Um, I think Trocek has really brought his game up to another level. Miller – Igor, the one guy who's a core guy who I think has dipped a little bit at times was Adam Fox during this during this run. I didn't think he was playing that great, but yeah. you know, uh, nothing like a little three assist game against the Washington Generals over there in Chicago <laughs> to really <clears throat> boost your confidence. And and like we said, confidence is a weird thing, and and the best athletes can kind of transcend it. But they're all human. Everybody needs to see some results from the things that they're doing to to feel good about what they're doing. So um, he's been playing great. Ryan Lindman's been really solid. Braden Schneider, we never even talk about this poor kid, mm-hmm. and he's he's got a, he's on a ten goal pace this year um, and doing all the right things. And uh, you know whether it's Libor Hayek, eh, Ben Harper, eh, uh, that's probably an area where they could still, you know, if if Chris Jury isn't going to go for the big home run ball um, in a couple of months and, and trade for Patrick Kane, I would imagine that. The other spot that they would very badly like to upgrade is that number six defenseman and get a veteran lefty in there to to kind of calm things down. You know, what they tried to do last trade deadline and ended up being a righty with Justin Braun, who did okay on the left side. But I'm sure this year you'd probably like to get the actual lefty guy to to slide in there. Um, yeah. Sure. But really, and then maybe Yaro Halak, who still gives up too many goals, but at least won a game in Philly and deserved it because he made some good saves and uh, man, we should do more of these in the middle of seven game winning streaks. There's not a lot to complain about. <laughs> no, there really isn't. I mean, to Braden Schneider, I mean, I, I agree. He picked up his physical play as well. He's putting a lot of pucks on net. I mean, he hit a post the other night too. Like he's really starting to show, I mean, he's, 
whatever the Rangers are doing to draft defensemen, they need to use that <laughs> we, method to get their forwards going too, because right, they, we do, they never we, miss. You, you obviously read the comments and the mailbag we just did. I think I answered one question in the first part about forward development. And then, you know, it, yes, you can certainly focus on the Leah Andersons and the Vitaly Kravtsovs. And obviously Neil, Nils Lundqvist is not forward. He's also not a guy who they failed to develop because he was only here for one season in North America before they traded him. And that was for entirely other reasons. Yeah. But yeah, the forward development and you know, the, there's other organizations that just don't develop these guys at all. I mean, you, you look at when you talk about forward development, I, I think a lot goes into it. The The main part being most of those top three or four picks every year that end up as 18 or 19 year olds in the NHL, probably before they're ready are forwards. So yeah. you're talking about when do they have time to develop? They don't. They just don't, you know, even a Jack Hughes, who looks like a world beater this year, had injury problems. He had, you know, interest level problems, and he was on a really crappy team for three years before he has finally started to break out in year four. And the team is doing better. But of course, look at that now. They, they're they starting to come back to the pack and a couple more Ranger wins and a couple more Carolina wins and a couple more Devils losses. And they're suddenly looking up at a lot of people in that division. So. Yep. A little premature to declare Jack Hughes officially arrived, even though he does a lot of highlight reel stuff. You know, you think about, as we talked about a lot, the Alexi Lafreniere versus Tim Stutzla debate. And Tim Stutzla does a lot of good highlight reel stuff. He's got the big extension starting next year that I'm sure Alexi Lafreniere would love. But would Alexi Lafreniere love that extension on a team that's going nowhere? They look a little bit better this year, and everybody wants them to really make it happen, but. They're still under 500 and they got no shot to make the playoffs because there's too many good teams ahead of them. So when you talk about development, are you developing them as individuals, as players who can go viral on social media for great plays, or are you developing them to be part of a team that's good? And the, the team that's good part is, can you make it sustainable? Because you don't wanna, if the team, you know, if the Devils make the playoffs this year and they get swept and Jack Hughes gets no points in the playoffs, is he is he gonna like sit there all summer and watch some of his amazing highlights from the regular season? Like probably not. I think he's gonna want to get better and he's gonna want the team to be better. And Capo Caco might be on a team that goes to a conference final for a second straight year. So yep. it's it's very relative the, this argument about development. Um. So you know, but I think it also obscures some of the things that the Rangers have done exceptionally well, going back to the days of. Um, J.J. Daniel being the Hartford assistant coach, coaching up guys like Mark Stahl and Dan Girardi um, yeah, yeah. to spend very little time in the minors and become mainstays at the NHL. Ryan McDonough even, who spent barely any time yeah. in Hartford. And there is a direct through line from that to now, just the same way that Benoit Allaire creates a direct through line from Henrik Lundqvist to Igor Shosturkin, even though Igor arrived pretty fully formed from Russia. Um, so yeah, they have a problem developing, especially some of their high pick forwards. However, um, as I also pointed out, like for every Leas Anderson in that in one of those first rounds in 16, 17, 18, you get a Keandre Miller. For every Vitaly Kravtsov is not quite there, you get a Philip Heedle. Yep. Um, you don't, you can't, you're not going to hit on everything, and that's just the way it is. It's you know you're you're trying to you're trying to be if you're over even fifty percent on your first and second round picks in terms of guys that are going to develop to make an impact in your organization. That's at the top half or maybe even the top third of the league. You know, the the one team I think you can point to in these last 
15 years with consistency to take people that are either cast offs from other organizations or guys that never really thought to be prospects and they turn them into really good players is Tampa yeah, in terms of absolutely. forwards. Yeah. Where they take almost nobodies and make them stars and Stanley Cup winners. Uh, and then also have the number one pick from 2008, who also happens to be still a really viable player after a lot of injuries and all that stuff. And yeah, that, and that, then, did, yada, that didn't hurt. Right. Yeah. And then having an all-world goalie, yada, yada, yada. So there's always yeah. Victor Hedman. There's always other things, other factors. It's never just one thing. So it's it's interesting to me that I guess it's the nature of being a fan that you get a little frustrated by these high picks that don't pan out and you tend to overlook some of the things that they've done really well as an organization, like you pointed out. And that is produce, you know, maybe in, you know, other than obviously aside from Truba and Fox and Lindgren weren't necessarily, weren't their own guys, but you have a defense core that's got four guys that are 25 or younger who are really, really good. And anybody else would want them in their top four. Oh, no doubt about it. And like you said, I mean, they've been doing that on defense for a really long time, you know, going back to the Girardis and the Stalls and the and McDonough's and, you know, so yeah, no, I agree. They, every, you know, everything becomes a narrative, whatever, that they, they can't develop forwards. They they can develop forwards. And, and I, it's like, who's giving up on the kids right now? You know what I mean? It's like, they, they look like they're doing the thing. They're, they're in the right spot playing together. So, you know, we'll see where it goes. They're still, they're still all young players and, uh, who would have done anything differently? It's like you're picking number two and number one back to back. It's like th- those are the guys you're going to take. So, right. you know, people can try to rewrite history, but that that's what they were going to do all along. So, you know, it is what it is. Those are the guys we have. And um, like you said, right, they went to a conference final last year, and now they're starting to look like the, the team that could do it again this year. Yeah, and that uh, I imagine that does more for your development when you learn how to, what it takes to win in the league. Because yeah. if you're not, if you're a guy that just wants the highlights and you don't care about winning, good luck. Um, you'll enjoy the rest of your career in Switzerland after a while, I guess. <laughs> right. Yeah. Um, man, this flew by. We didn't even really have to struggle for anything. I, uh, don't you know, don't val- sound so surprised. Dude. <laughs> <laughs> Valley really slows us down. I think that's the main that's the main takeaway here. But yeah, you said we it, love it. we love to have him. And in a couple weeks, when we're back from the holiday break, he will be here again. Um, but Chris Flannery, who runs our show very smoothly, even when you don't hear his voice, thanks so much for pitching in today. Thanks, my man. I appreciate it. And thanks for listening, everyone out there, to the Garden Faithful. Please follow us on your favorite podcast platform and leave a review if you're enjoying the show. That really helps us out. You can subscribe to The Athletic Audio Plus on Apple Podcasts to get all the bonus content from our entire network. Start with a 30-day free trial, then it's just $0.99 cents a month after that. And right now, get one-year subscription to The Athletic for $2 a month when you visit theathletic.com slash TGF. Chris Flannery there. Steve Valiquette on his way back in a couple weeks. I'm Arthur Staple. Happy holidays, everyone. We'll catch you soon.